again um somehow we've survived the apocalypse and i'm here with my guest for the new episode of the favorite show of yours i'm sure which is super awkward fun cast yay here's my friend betsy here for the whole hour and a half i'm so excited oh my gosh it's gonna be a big one so you guys might have heard about a little thing called COVID-19. I mean, I've been bitching about it for a long time now on the podcast. So we're going to get into it about um, what would you say is the main issue that we're going to discuss today? Because you have well, some things to bring up. Yeah, I mean, I think that we should really talk. We should talk about uh, the medical profession, the medical field. I think that's a big thing. Um, privacy could probably talk about internet privacy it's a big thing um but yeah weeks ago i had been talking to you about some of my experiences with uh, the medical profession especially in the last few months and i've i've got enough stories to fill an hour and a half um but i also i mean i have a a, a cool project to talk to you about as well which we've talked about a little bit and um yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, of course, you're always keeping up with current events better than I am, so you can probably fill me in a little on this hour and a half of some things I know about the terrible death of uh, Eddie Van Halen, which I don't believe is COVID-related, but very sad. He was very young. It's probably still COVID-related. <laughs> It'll turn out that it was the whole time. Well, I guess we're all related, right? We're all <laughs> interconnected. So Well, that's how they, they, they tie things together. They want it to be you know, ever present. And when you say they, for people who are joining us for the first yes. time, are you speaking about the deep state? Perhaps. I mean, it depends on, well, I know they take orders. The, the healthcare administrators um, in the hospitals do take orders from above. Probably part of the pharmaceutical industrial complex is what I would think. Uh, people possibly related to Bill Gates, possibly not, I don't know. But people who take orders from someone else yeah. who is above them. So it's like one person doing this for the other person who's doing this for the other person. And that's pretty much how the world works, I believe. Um, well, we have the CDC and the WHO, which- All the three, three, uh, three letter the acronyms. NIH? NIH is one, I suppose, these days. Yeah. And um, and then I and guess... they're involved in gene editing and stuff like that. Yes. CRISPR was in the news today. Yes. Um, I don't want to get too far into CRISPR. We've talked about it before a little bit, but um, yeah, they won a Nobel Prize, and that's not on that's not by accident. That was on purpose. Uh, my dad and I, I was talking to him about Francis Collins, who uh, is at the National Institutes of Health, and he was a really interesting person who's been very involved in gene sequencing and many things um, that I think are really positive. So I'm not going to be just bashing the medical profession in this podcast by any means. Um, and that's not what we're here to do. And that's well. not what we're here to do. We're really here to just talk about what's going on and try to 
stay aware ourselves of what's going on and then maybe help inform some other people of what might be going on around the country. Probably USA is probably most of what we can come to discussing, but of course there's global. Yeah. Global problem. It is, yeah. It's a pandemic, so it affects everyone about 1% of the time. So, (laughs) you know. Um, then we have like the millions of recoveries that nobody wants to talk about and how that happened and what kind of treatments were used and all of this. And then we have the cocktail, the antibody cocktail from the president who just so happened to catch COVID at the best possible moment of the October surprise that we're supposed to have. Or worst possible moment, depending. (laughs) I mean, I've never seen so many people so happy that someone was ill. Oh, for sure. And I... It's not that I don't understand their feelings about it, but it's, you know, these things that make me want to get off of Facebook. There are many things that want me to get off Facebook, but this is the time when I'm unfollowing people more than ever before. It's like, I don't even care if it's not, even if I agree with you about some of the stuff you're saying, I'm yeah. unfollowing people more than ever before right now. And it's only to, to try to keep a more peaceful and joyful There's a mindset. lot of obsession on social media just obsession with certain topics and i found myself uh being victim to that kind of mentality like oh i'm right about this and i want to say this and i want people to agree with me but like it doesn't matter Uh, ultimately it doesn't matter if you get likes or retweets it doesn't make a difference in your life or anyone else's life these hashtags literally don't matter like hash hashtag hashtags don't matter so like well, I guess it depends on what your goal is. Yeah. You know, I mean... Awareness is great, yeah. but, like, if you're, like, inundating somebody's timeline with information, and it's, like, overwhelming information. Right. I mean, if you're not a journalist and you're doing it just for the kicks, then it's, right. like, you can, you can do better things with your time than, than reach out to people on the internet who may or may not care what you're talking about, right. but you're just screaming into the void. Right. So I found it, it's better for me as a comical person, which I tend to be, to take the piss sometimes and just, you know, make jokes and make light of situations that wouldn't be so light otherwise. Right. You know, because you got to keep, keep laughing to keep from crying and dying because it does get very overwhelming and scary because you know you're powerless. And that's... The thing when you know that you don't have the power to do anything. Uh, well, okay. Well, since you say that, I think it's not true that we're powerless. I think that we feel powerless, and I think it's really interesting that that is the zeitgeist. If I'm using that word properly, zeitgeist. Zeit. Thank you. Of course, I'm not. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. My German is not perfect. I know a little. Right. <laughs> zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. Um, is that, you know, you can do nothing, you are powerless. And I remember I started feeling that way when I was watching way too much TV. That, you know, after a while, characters in a scripted show were no different from people on the news who were dying. You know, it was all a bunch of, face, you know, not faceless, but victims who whose names I would never remember mm-hmm. and who, you know, I could feel sorry for, but only in this very, very distant way. And if you were, like, drowning yourself in that stuff without human connection of your own, and if you aren't seeing people face-to-face and you aren't giving anyone a hug and you don't have a cat or a plant or anything to care for, um, 
I really started to feel myself losing some of my own humanity. Yeah. You know, you really, after a while. And that's the point. That's all ultimately the point of social media, I believe, is to make us disconnected from each other, uh, ironically. Make us feel like we're connected, but we're actually disconnected from reality. Yes. Well, I mean, and it's a tool. I think that technology, I have been very tempted since the advent of the internet in my own life. You know, when I started using email and computer in in sixth grade, like, you know, I love it and hate it because it, you can correspond with people very quickly. You can correspond with people around the world very quickly. And that's beautiful. And you learn things. And so... Like, I'm tempted to call it evil, but by itself, it's not. It's yeah. only when it's being elevated to a position in your life where it doesn't belong. Like it's like everything. There's a yin and a yang. There's a balance. There's there's evil. There's good in everything. Or not evil necessarily, but like bad parts of things. Like that's part of life. Is that every situation you can see the pros and the cons of what's going on. Right. So looking at it that way, like the the thing about it can be like that people get so wrapped up in it that they don't know what's really happening like in nature like throughout nature like you don't go outside you're just in there clicking and scrolling and seeing all kinds of points of view which by the way could be bots like you don't know if these are actual people that you're conversing with on a daily you know like i see these people this is just one example but like when the president tweets something, for example, there's these people on here who constantly must follow him, but they constantly respond to him every tweet. It's very disturbing. And you wonder if they get paid to do that because why else would you waste your life just subtweeting a president over and over again, like every time he tweets? Like, that's a lot. Right. And you can all, the funny thing was like after his diagnosis or not diagnosis, but he was saying that he had COVID mm-hmm. under the, under the tweet, there were all these weird ass satanic messages and stuff in this weird language I can't pronounce, but everybody was like, cool it with the satanic messages and stuff. But it was like, for once I could have been like, okay, if I saw this person, Mrs. Krasenstein, for example, I would be like, phew. It would be the first time I'd be like, phew. I finally, you know, finally I'm actually excited to see her because she's not a satanic weird ass post. But but like, it would just be a ref- refreshing to see her again. Because yeah. I was like, that's the new normal. That's the, that's the bar. Is like these weirdos who subtweet the president who are married to grifters, like uh, who aren't allowed on Twitter, by the way, hilarious, but they got kicked off because of like grifting and shit. So like, and then I'm also wondering which one she's married to. Cause she says she's married to one of the brothers, but I'm like, which one? (laughs) Not that it matters, but like, (laughs) well, and I mean, that's the kind of thing where, you know, we've got these people tweeting as if they're celebrities they're celebrity tweeters like they get famous for tweeting people that's their whole game now and now we've what would they do without him that's the thing like they need him they need a nemesis yeah well yes and i think because you mentioned uh satanic things (laughs) and we're in the month of october we've got this new you know which is like i love 
every month for different reasons, but I don't love Halloween and I never have. And that's because to me it was always associated with satanic rituals and I'm not a fan of anything like that. So, um, but I do think that there is a, uh, anytime that you see a spirit of fear descending on people and anything like you said that makes us, you know, feel less than human, um, I think we need to be reminded that what you believe about yourself is very important. So if you believe that you are powerless, <coughs> there's an exercise that we did um, at a sort of a seminar that I was at a year or two ago. If you say to yourself that you're powerless, you can actually, and then you tell yourself that you're powerful, there's actually a difference in the strength of your arms right after you say those things, what you're able to do. And it was demonstrated to me in front of a group of people. Um, we could try it later if you want after this podcast. <laughs> Nobody can see us, uh, but maybe we should make a video later. <laughs> so there's a real, um, you know, what you say about what yourself and how you feel is extremely important in terms of what you can accomplish. And as far as journalism is concerned, you know, you need to make sure that you are listening to trusted sources which brings us back to the medical profession because the medical profession has enjoyed a very high level of trust yes. for a very long too much time trust. in our country. I think far too much trust. But it seems to me that the medical profession is actually profoundly divided over COVID. Yes. And there are many voices trying to speak via YouTube, you know, videos and all kinds of media trying to get the word out about how they've treated COVID or how they've been prevented from treating COVID. And they've been stifled by these organizations. And the thing is, because I am not a medical professional. Not, neither am I. None of us purport to know what exactly is going on. Right. But, but you know, I was about to go into nursing about 14 years ago. I took anatomy. I dissected a cat. I took, oh. you know, I know. I didn't want to dissect a cat. The first time I had the opportunity in high school, I passed it up. Okay, I quit. I quit advanced biology and only did one semester. I did not want to dissect a cat. But then I had to take anatomy. That was part of the class. I know. Don't get me started. I'm sorry. I'm it's not judging. Subject. I'm just sad. Um, <laughs> I know. It's sad. But I think that the cat had died of natural causes. I can't be, I can't be certain. Okay. Yeah. Just like the um, frogs. Like, you know, they just died. <laughs> well, there are so many things being done in the name of science. Exactly. That are extremely questionable. Unethical. Right. With human beings as well. With like human beings as well. Electric shock therapy things and, you know, trying to change people's sexual orientation and and using pedophiles and, and studies. Triplets as if you saw did you see three identical strangers? No. If you get a chance to see that documentary, it's about you know, I've sort of spoiled it already, but it's about three it's about triplets that were separated by this really bizarre adoption agency in New York who wanted to study what happens if you give people with identical different yeah. identical DNA to different families and different Fucked social up. classes. Oh yeah. Well, then these kids in college they get to be commu in community college, two of them ended up going to the same community college but not at the same time. So one of them shows up for class and the and their friends are all like, "Hey Joe." And he's like, <laughs> "I'm not Joe." Then, then those two get in the newspaper, and the third one finds out. So they all find each other later in life. And the results 
I mean, at first they enjoyed some fame and fortune and they opened a restaurant together. I'm sorry, you need to... Like, like Wahlburgers. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. That was their <laughs> thing. It was earlier, you know, it was in the 70s, late, I think maybe mid-70s or late 70s, early 80s. Um, but one of those triplets died by suicide. Yikes. And, you know, I don't know if it was just because of, you know, I don't know what it was, all the factors were, but I mean, they went through something that they should never have gone through. I feel like they have a different connection than than anyone else. Like you can't separate people who who were so close in the womb right. without having any kind of uh, and in fact ramifications. that was mentioned it was mentioned that early on at least one of those triplets um seemed to be suffering from some kind of separation anxiety early in life. Yeah. That he was like, you know, hitting his own head against the wall and crying. He, he missed his brothers, but of course he couldn't communicate that. And then he didn't remember. So, um, human behavior can be influenced, right? We're very social creatures. So when we look on social media, we're very influenced by what we read right now and by what we see. And that's part of the reason that I'm still on Facebook is because I am still traveling I am, you know, I am wearing a mask at times. You know, I'm not here to cause trouble wherever I go. Um, but I, you know, I'm not going to let anything stand in the way of what I believe that I should be doing. And that is my own personal conscience, right? And, and yeah. I think when the medical profession, we used to honor people's individual consciences. Yes. Right? So maybe you can go on riff on that for a little bit. I'm thinking that there's more stuff that we're going to start talking about that we haven't even scratched the surface. Yeah. Yet, but Oh, my gosh. I like... mean, so when I watch, I watch episodes, for example, or there, there are whole movies made about this. When someone has, like, a, a religious objection, for example... They don't want to have a blood transfusion because mm-hmm. they don't believe that they should accept the blood of other people. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to take certain pills. You know, they don't want to interfere with certain aspects of their We body. used to have, like, the ability to say no. Like, we don't want people who are against all of these restrictions don't want to be told what to do with our own bodies. That's what it basically comes down to. Our right. body, our choice, you know, like right. if that applies, I mean, as much as you want to like get upset about like the false equivalency or whatever, but it's not really because you're saying that a woman can decide what she's going to do with her own body between her doctor and herself. We want to have that option between our doctors and ourselves Absolutely. about what we're going to do with our bodies. And if we're going to take a vaccine or if we're going to not take a vaccine and if we're going to um, build up our immune system and actually fight this the natural way and figure out how to minimize contact without ruining our lives, like like totally upending our lives, which is what we didn't have the chance to do because our, dis- our, our holier-than-thou government, uh, state and local, decided to just shut everything down. And then the federal government can be like, hey, but we didn't do it. But yeah, it's going to be like that with the vaccine because they'll say, oh, it's going to be on the state and local level. And then the state and local level was go- is going to be like, well, we have all this power. We're going to keep 
get, keep grabbing all these rights and stuff from these people. So right. let's mandatory vaccines, everybody. If you want to go back to work, you got to get a vaccine. If you want to go to the airport, you got to get a vaccine. That's how it's going to be. They're already talking about mandatory testing at uh, airports whenever you go somewhere. So obviously that's already been in place, the testing. So the testing, it's like masks first and testing, then the vaccine. And then that doesn't even change anything because you still have to wear the mask. So it's just the new abnormal. Right. Well, and this kind of... And biometrics, This kind of (laughs) new mantra of, like, if you love other people and if you care about other people, you will fall in line. That's how they do the Big Brother thing, the 1984, like, getting you to, to turn in your the people that are also being oppressed. But you don't realize that you are the oppressor at that point, not the person helping the other person because right. you are literally taking on the, the job of the big brother government. Right. Well, we as a country for no money, <laughs> it's just hilarious. According to our founding documents, <laughs> there are certain inalienable yes. rights that we are endowed with from our creator. That is, that is part of the documents. Whoever that is. <laughs> Whoever our creator is, he endows with certain... Or she. So what are they? Health, wait, happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Eventually, but like property at first because of slavery. But Health is not included. I said that, but it's not true. Health is not included. Yeah, health is not an inalienable right, <laughs> according to the law. promised by our creator... Or by the law that we will be in perfect health our entire lives because that's what? a good a good thing to bring right? up <laughs> like a good point right but that doesn't mean that I don't think that there obviously is such no a thing. I mean yeah right there but is if we're looking at the Constitution health. which people so so devoutly worship right. <laughs> you well, know we claim to I mean we claim to still want to honor the Constitution and still honor one another but. I'm not sensing that from a lot of my fellow citizens. No. They don't want to honor one another. They want other people. They want to attack each other. Well, and they want they want to believe what they're being told. It's That's a cult. That's really sad. That's what it is. They want to believe what they're being told. And because the opposite seems to be taking on individual responsibility for assuming risks. Yes. And that we're scared to be seen. I mean... I am well aware that now that I've been in L.A. for a week, some of my friends might not want to meet up right now. And that is okay. Because I have been traveling a lot, and I have seen people. And I am probably seeing more people than a lot of people are. So if that's a problem, and you have, you know, any reason to not want to meet up right now, I'm not going to try to talk you into it, right? Because we're friends, and I care about you. And for whatever reason that you have, you know... It's not worth having an argument about because then obviously right now is not the right time. That's what friendship is about, right? Yeah. And the same is true for, for family members, too. Um, you know, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So the conversations are much more complicated if you are, you know, raising small children. And there are children that I have seen on social media with these masks on. And mm-hmm. that disturbs me so much newborns like that's insane that's not right it really does i mean there have been a couple there have been a few times when i really felt like oh man i cannot wear this mask right now i can't breathe 
and and not because I, you know, not just because it. I mean, it obviously does inhibit breathing, but um, thank you. Um, she gave me a cushion. <laughs> I, uh, it, you know, not only does it inhibit breathing, and it, and if I'm working hard, if I'm walking, and I have my heart rate up, you know, I was trying to book it through the Dallas airport between planes, <clears> and I was like, oh no, if I don't take my mask off, I'm going to really have problems breathing here in a second so I can imagine when you're putting a child through that at a young age if you're really you know it it really seems that their oxygen levels are not the same and I um you know I don't have a meter so I'm not measuring these things myself but it's common sense that you're recirculating a lot of your own carbon dioxide yeah so um, yeah, for the first time, uh, when I was in Montana, we drove past a school where there were little kids outside playing together, um, but they were all wearing masks. Oh, yeah, I really. I saw like an eight-year-old yesterday, like while walking, like last night. It just disturbs me so much. And I'm hearing now that children are are carriers. I, this is something I heard from someone who, oh, heard, yeah. who read it somewhere, that children are actually, you know, much bigger carriers than we thought and then we know they're not coming down with it, but they're bringing it home. And so, you know, I just, I don't know what to do with this except to say it's it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for us to be so suspicious that that we, one another, are all carrying something that could kill us. It is just so... One percent of the time. Yes. One percent of the time. It could kill us. If you came down with it, which is, we don't know what percentage of the time that's happening. It's, and we don't even know the actual numbers because the PCR tests are so unreliable right. that are being used and flouted as, as something that's supposed to show the case rate. We don't know what the case rate is. We and, don't know if it's high or low. We don't know. Right. And so since you mentioned that, I will say, on some one of my friends reposted a Fox News breakdown of numbers of the percentages Mm -hmm. and I because I did not want to create a hailstorm for myself on Facebook I only posted it on Instagram and I did cut off the fact that it was from Fox News because they were CDC numbers it said CDC and I did I know most people hate Fox I know some of the listeners today (laughs) don't all hate Fox because my dad said that he was going to repost this and I think that he has a lot of Fox fans I'm not a fan of Fox News I think that, you know, they're as hysterical as anybody else is right now. They just have a different way of doing it. But anytime you're actually trying to work with the math and the numbers in a way that the common person can understand, that is journalism. That is real journalism. And (laughs) the CDC is still considered to be a trusted source. We don't have anything better really right now. So we have to go with the numbers that they're reporting, even though... There's many, many reports that it's being overreported to start with to the CDC and that the CDC yes. is encouraging people to report things as COVID deaths that are not COVID deaths. As Dr. Burke said in, in the very beginning with the coronavirus tax, task force, that that was what the, the initiative was to report as many things as COVID related as possible. Hell, friggin' George Floyd had COVID for fuck's sake. Like they put those two together, those two initiatives. It's crazy. And then, you know, it's comorbidities. Nobody talks about the reason 
the reason, the real reason, right. not because of Trump, not because of the government necessarily. I mean, obviously, they're ultimately involved. But right. the reason that the U.S. was so attacked by this virus is because we are an unhealthy population. We have the most unhealthy people in the world because we've been sold all these supersized meals, all these, you know, fast food, you know, all this like GMO shit. Like we're, we're poisoned on a daily basis. So yeah. of course we are going to be the most obese nation, the most unhealthy nation that will have the most comorbidities. My mm -hmm. goodness. Yeah. More than anyone else. Yeah. And that's so, why we're number yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, I mean, you know, what my pastor was saying early on is, you know, she said, stay away from sugar, get outside Yes. eat fruits and vegetables, <clears throat> you know, you know, think about, I, I like to take ginger, you know, um, drink, you know, I have like this ginger drink that I mix up now, or, you know, I have Zycam that I will take occasionally, even if I'm not feeling sick, if I'm just feeling tired, I know that that's when, if I, if I overtire myself, that's when I'm most vulnerable and could catch something. And I don't want even a cold and I haven't had <laughs> So I want to talk about a story that happened to me because we wanted to talk about medical privacy records. Yes. And very important. And I'll say that our family has been, you know, we have doctors in my family. We have all kinds of professionals. And of course, we have all ages of people in my family. And in August, my grandfather, who's 92, uh, put me and my cousin in charge of food for a party for my twin great uncles who were turning 77. And so, um, you know, we planned it together and we invited the family. And so we had about 12 people <clears throat> and I'd say, you know, half of them are at least are over the age of 60. And, you know, that was the biggest early on. We weren't having any gatherings like that, but now it's August. We've all been okay. No one in the family has gotten sick. Some of us have gotten nervous, and some of us have isolated each other more than others. Mm -hmm. So we have a party. It's really only a few hours that we're all together um, because they all live different places. Everybody went home, and a few hours later, I started feeling this sore throat come on, and I was scared because, you know, it's pretty common for me to get a sore throat, pre-COVID, um, since I was a kid, but this felt a little different. And so because it felt just a little bit different, of course I start going, well, maybe it's the COVID, you know, and then how would, you know, speaking of timing, how great would this timing be if right after I was with my elderly relatives all together in one place, some of my favorite people, um, you know, then I come down with it and that means I was already sick. Um, <laughs> So I start freaking out, and I'm freaking out sort of quietly because I don't want to alarm my relatives unnecessarily. Um, and so I go outside on the deck that night, you know, trying to figure out the best place to have a COVID test. And I hadn't been tested for three months because I had been tested once before outside of Walgreens by some company named PWN Health who promised me results in 24 hours, but I didn't get them for 10 days. And 
when the 10 days, you know, only happened because I was like really actively following up with them and said, I'm starting to freak out and I'm about to move in with my 92 year old grandfather. And in fact, by that point, I was already there because my grandfather was like, don't worry about it. Just, you know, you're fine. We know you're fine. You know, I I was not experiencing any symptoms in May. I was just out of an abundance of caution. My sister wanted me to get tested before I moved in. So now it's August. I have this sore throat. That's kind of weird. And I don't want to go back to that same place for a test. And so um, I can find some online walk-in clinics and I just make an appointment with one of them, you know, and it's all online, you know, it's late at night, so I'm not gonna be able to get anybody on the phone to do it. So I just make an appointment and I say, you know, I need a COVID test. So I'm able to get an appointment Monday morning, because the party was on Saturday, so I think it was Monday morning, I get up early and I sort of sneak out of the house because I don't want to tell them where I'm going or what I'm doing. I'm not going to lie about it, you know. Um, I sort of sneak out and I left them a note, you know, saying that I was going to the grocery store, which is also true, but anyway, I, I show up at this clinic that immediately they come outside, you know, and say, are you Elizabeth? Well, I'm sorry, but we don't do COVID tests here. We do anything else but that, basically. So if that, that we saw, we tried to call you and, you know, at that point in August, I was feeling a little bit, you know, concerned about all this privacy stuff. So I didn't give them my cell phone number. I gave them the landline number at my granddad's house. So they didn't reach me when they tried to call me because I had already left. And so then, you know, I explained to them that, you know, all I had was a little sore throat. You know, it was probably no big deal, but I was just concerned. And so they sent me to another place. But what I found at the second place was that even then, if I mentioned the word COVID, if I thought that I had COVID, they were not going to see me. They were going to, they were only going to let me in to their building if I would say it a different way. So I finally just said, well, look, I haven't had a physical in quite a while and I have something, it's probably nothing kind of thing. Like, I think if I even said the word sore throat, it was like going to throw them like they were going to keep me outside. And so they finally took me in and they looked me up. Well, it turned out. Because I've been, I lived in Portland once for about six weeks, like eight years ago, and I wasn't sure if this was the same clinic network that I had been to before. It turned out that, you know, they had a record of me from eight years ago, so they said, and they sent me, they sent me in. Well, I started chatting with the um, nurse or physician's assistant who, um, you know, did a little swab test on me and was asking him about what they're using to digitize their medical records. And they said they use Epic, which if you don't know, is a giant medical records software company based in Wisconsin. And um, I was a, I was recruited for a technical writer job there Um, through LinkedIn once and so I applied so I kind of know about you know they have sort of a Google type campus like it's very you know built to a 
to appeal to young programmers. You can go in there and never come out all day, you know, the cafeteria and all that kind of stuff, which in Wisconsin, of course, is really nice. It's going to be freaking cold for a good part of the year. And I, if they had, if they had hired me, which I thought I did pretty well on their tests, and I don't know why they didn't. If they had hired me, I would have happily moved to Wisconsin. I mean, I would have been bracing myself for winter, but I would have, I would have done that um, at that time, which was probably. <sighs> It was like 2014 or something like that. So this company has been growing and growing. And this nurse was telling me that um, Epic is, you know, everywhere in the U.S. And it's also in uh, the U.K. now. And any hospital or a medical, you know, clinic, any company that is working using epic now you can find anyone's medical records from anywhere through that company so anything that's been digitized say that you you know were born in podunk minnesota but then you move to los angeles they can get all of your records as long as both clinics that you're attending used epic so and it probably is true that, you know, for example, I was raised in Illinois, that my birth records, you know, may or may not have been digitized. They certainly weren't at the time, probably, because I was born in 82. But that doesn't mean that the clinics didn't go back and digitize a lot of things when they could so that they didn't have to store so much paper. Um, and I don't really, I don't know, someone can chime in and tell me, you know, what are all the laws around that? How long do they have to keep all these files before the internet and after the internet? This is an area that a lot of people don't think about. And it sounds very convenient to have all these digital files in one place in the hive mind. But think about when they, you know, we also have databases of DNA and criminal records, right? Mm -hmm. Once we start labeling a person as a criminal, <laughs> there's only one way that most people think of that person, right? You know, especially if you happen to work in law enforcement, you know, mm -hmm. you're not thinking about all the good qualities this person has. You're just trying to find, you're just trying to catch them or figure out what they've done or have not done. Once they've been convicted of something, that record lasts a long time and can only be expunged under certain circumstances. So what happens when you get labeled with another kind of illness, mm -hmm. like a mental illness? How long do those records last? And it used to be that people could start over and move somewhere else and enjoy a certain amount of anonymity for you know, after having suffered and after, you know, maybe having suffering, ha suffered some severe brain damage and, you know, maybe they did some things. I mean, there's, there's a lot of pros and cons. So, I mean, we could talk about this for ever, <laughs> right? About the pros and cons of, you know, and people's rights. When do you lose your rights depending on what you've done? What kind of rights do you lose? Did we even have rights to begin with? Like, Well, again, all I can say is that we have the Constitution and we have the Declaration of Independence. We have the preamble to the Constitution. A piece of paper right? that can be torn apart whenever and it very the well may be pleases. It very well may For be. For whatever reason. So 
what I liken this whole mess yeah. to is just Patriot Act 2.0. So we already have the Patriot Act. Everybody's okay with that. All the bipartisans in Congress, whatever. They love the Patriot Act. They continue to support it. Everybody loves it. Not us, but it doesn't matter what we think. <laughs> so that got rid of habeas corpus. That got rid of, um, you know, the Fourth Amendment is, yeah. is virtually non-existent now. And, you know, spying on citizens for their own good, for terrorist right. reasons. But you never caught a terrorist. And we wanted to <laughs> give all those rights up after 9-11. You know, yeah, of that's course. That's partly why 9-11 was executed. People did, well, yes. I mean, that's definitely a matter of some debate. But airport security, I mean. Well, it was all uh, planned out in 1994 from Joe Biden. He literally said, and I will put it in here in the show notes, um, he he is on record on C-SPAN, of all places, saying um, that he basically created the Patriot Act in 1994. He created what would be the framework that they would use in 2000 mm-hmm. and whatever it was. But... So, okay, so if Joe Biden is happily taking credit for it, then he's, he's only taking credit for it that he was trying to plan against the terrible day when something might happen, right? Just like the people this who planned like after for... after the fact, by the way. He, he, he was uh, explaining this, I don't think, it was 2000-something. But he explained this after the, after, way after 1994. He, he explained in an interview that that's what he did, that he contributed to the Patriot Act. And he was proud of it, apparently. So um, he wanted to get rid of terrorists. And it was in, oh no, I think it was in Congress, counterterrorism. <laughs> but for those of us who haven't read the Patriot Act, what specifically does it do? It, it allows NSA and CIA and all of these other agencies to collect information on, on citizens that should be private, which is what I'm referring to at the moment because that's what they're going to do with this initiative that they have in place which they have already cataloged in lockstep in great detail that they're going to have biometrics at airports and they're going to get all this information everything will be retinal scans and that sort of thing which is why the masks won't really matter because they're going to do it through the eyes that's how they're going to do the facial recognition now they're already working, uh, several companies are working on it. And there's a good website for you guys to keep track of all of the information that comes out in different countries across the world, um, which is biometricupdate.com, which is where I go to get the most information, most up-to-date information yeah. on what's going on with the biometric agenda, which is part of Agenda 2030, which is a UN agenda, very similar to Agenda 221, but it's the new one where everybody's going to be happy. And it's going to be a utopia. And we're all going to know everything about everybody and it'll be fine. And social credit Which it obviously isn't stuff. going to be fine. You know, and antisocial media, like antisocial like dissent and stuff will be taken care of. And we'll have predictive crime, which is what is already happening in L.A. In, at the LAPD through Palantir, um, which has a major contract. Um, yeah, we government. should talk more about that. Please talk more about that. Oh Predictive crime. I mean, it sounds like Minority Report. Which it's is biased, a great movie, too, which way. is great for the Black Lives Matter movement because it's looking at what people um, are doing in certain neighborhoods and de- deciding whether they're going to predict they're going to commit a crime or not. Basically, on what they look individuals like individuals or groups through an algorithm. You know, individ- not individually. They're looking at people like you right. know. The different 
races and stuff like Latinos and and right. black people like they're going to be the major well and this is the thing about scenario. you know blessings and curses what you speak and predict over a person has a profound effect even if you're going from reality i see something about you know i i hang out around kids mm-hmm. once in a while and you can see the seeds of something you know and it really you know if they're in a really bad mood and they seem really frustrated all the time or they seem really unhappy you know, it's sort of concerning. But that doesn't mean that they're destined to not contribute to society or to do something bad or to not be a positive person. They're just growing up, they're going through things, and they're just learning how to navigate. Having emotions, having a brain, having a body, and living in an imperfect world. So... I think what's sad about That's children dangerous. nowadays is that they are exposed to, to the internet too early mm-hmm. and they are also exposed to the environment, which is like, this is the worst environment to be exposed to as a child. Can you imagine? Like you, you go out and everybody's wearing a mask. Everybody's right. scared of each other. Right. There's a pandemic. You were just born. You're like, I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> right. But now this is your life. Right. Well, as a parent, like, you no. have you've got to be thinking about what kind of adult you want to grow up and do you want your kids? I mean, I was brought up fairly sheltered in in certain ways. I certainly wasn't um, I was just reminded of that archangel um archangel whatever. Um episode of Black Mirror, sorry, where it's like Ooh. an overprotective mother. Oh. Um and she just she's she's got this device uh like on an iPad thing. That she gets from the birth of her child, like like not from birth, but like seven years yeah, old, and then familiar. she uses it um, into her adult, like young adulthood, and then she loses her daughter in the process, and her daughter kill like tries to kill her. So it's like See, spoiler alert, but like yeah, no, I don't think I think being I may bad, have seen being sheltered, episode. you know, being right. sheltered is not good because then you don't know what to expect. Well, so but I was gonna say, in many ways, I was taught how to expect what to expect. I was taught to expect this kind of a society. And and so I was sheltered in a way that I think was in some ways very useful where I didn't have these expectations that I needed to be like everybody else because I didn't have that much contact with other kids my age. On I was I didn't spend all day with other kids my age except for my siblings. You know what me too like Hashtag me too. But like, <laughs> I can't use that word anymore. But I know, right? <laughs> or term. I know. They ruined the term. Oh my God. They did. Um, and then the, also the term cuties I can't say anymore because <laughs> every time I do, I think of that horrible movie. But anyway, um, like, yeah, like when I was a child, like I would hang out with children who were younger than me, oddly enough, like who were like next door, who were also black. I'm not saying I'm like a big, like saint or anything for hanging out with black kids when I was a child but I'm saying that helps you know shape your world if you're with diverse people and I was with Navajo native you know natives you know at school who who were like like exchange students of some sort I'm not really sure where they came from but probably a reservation I would imagine but anyway I don't know but I was exposed to many different cultures early on as a child that's awesome and different ages and I I had different friends who were different ages. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like no one felt superior to anyone. It was just normal behavior. That's and good. I think that's part of the 80s, maybe, or 90s, or yeah. early 90s, that 
that, you know, is different than now, like where it's like you feel obligated to, to hang out with other kids or, you know, you're told to hang out with other kids rather right. than doing it naturally. Right. There's a natural progression of things. Right where you're a child and you're looking at the world and you're looking at different points of view of the world and you're hanging out with different people, different okay. types of people, that that shapes your world. But if you were forced into that, then you kind of resent it. You know, you're like resenting sure. that that wasn't an option you made. And especially when some kids are naturally, you know, we find out if you're allowed to be yourself, you know, some kids are naturally introverts. Some kids are naturally extroverts. Some of us are somewhere in the, you know, in the middle. We all need socialization, but we need it in different ways. And some of us, I mean, we all need to be challenged. Challenge is part of what helps us grow up. And stress is a given. So what we had even before the pandemic was a lot of people trying to figure out ways to fi help with their stress and avoid their triggers and... And, you know, there are a lot of people isolating themselves already because they mm -hmm. struggled with depression, they struggled with anxiety, and they didn't know how to, how to overcome it. And some of those people, let's be honest, are not here today because of the pandemic, because they weren't given an option of, you know, finding help. They weren't able to, so they succumbed to that illness. That happened on a massive like scale like there it went up it skyrocketed. yeah i've looked for those numbers and i haven't found you know a lot of reliable information on the that. press it's doesn't really want to discuss sad. it <laughs> it's really sad but i do know of i mean i know of you know second hand but i know of you know suicides that have happened in this last season there are mental um, health professionals that will divulge that information but they can't give you the exact numbers but they will say yeah. that you know, that is the case. That, yeah. And, and sex abuse and child abuse yeah. and all of that has probably gone up as well. Well, and the, well, yes. I mean, I think that any time, uh, you know, some, some of us, I tend to thrive on change and I enjoy it. <laughs> even if, I mean, even if, uh, you know, that kind of we're all in this together mantra is 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 a little stupid because it's like we still have wild differences among our society and that's in many ways as it should be you know we were not meant to be the same to i don't think we we're meant to each have the same amount of resources or to look the same mm -hmm. or to think the same and, you know, really good communication, good, kind communication is something that used to be taught in mm -hmm. school. It was being very polite etiquette, you know. So I really commend those parents who are being very disciplined about screen time, like you said. Yes. And about fostering interaction, at the very least fostering empathy, you know, and just saying, you know, this person looks different from you. Or, yes, this person, I know they think this about that or whatever. They want to wear a mask. They don't want to wear a mask. But can you understand why that person might feel that way? Yeah. You know? And are you willing to suffer some discomfort yourself, you know, whether it means putting it on or taking it off for the sake of the other person to show that you care about them? And that's why I'm willing to wear a mask also because I don't really feel like having a having to throw a fit every time I go to the grocery store because it's not worth it and the security guards would drag me away. But, you know, but other than that, I mean, out in public on the street, you know, I'm not going to wear a mask every minute. 
I think that's insane. I think it's completely <laughs> insane. But if I sense that a person coming down the street is going to be really scared of me, I may put it on for a minute just to try to make them feel better. Especially if I'm about to step on an elevator with them or something like that, you know. Because I I want to make friends. I want to be like, hey, I come in peace. And if you are struggling with a crisis and if you have a mental health problem, I don't know that just from looking at you. And God knows I have, I suffer with my own forms, you know, of anxiety from time to time, which is exacerbated when I feel like another person is mad at me yeah. or dislikes me for no reason, which is what is happening a lot these yeah. days. Well, not people being mad at me, but people being mad at each other and people being, you know, really scared of, oh, you're a Trump supporter. I, I know somebody whose, you know, own daughter was like, I want to know how you're voting because if you're voting this way, I can no longer associate with you. Well, she said, it's none of your business how I'm voting. So, you know, but it's like, you yeah, gotta love and to, accept me. I'm your mother. We used to like not advertise that. <laughs> like, it used to be like a personal decision whether you were going to vote at all and who right. you were going to vote for. Like, I'm not going to tell you who I voted for, like, in the election for, like, the superior court. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> like, like, why do you care who I voted for, for the president? Which is literally the same position. Like, they have the same amount of power. They, they, It's all, you know, dependent on corporations and the deep state and everything. Like, what happens? Like, superior court, like, even the courts are fucked up. Like... I just censored myself fucked up <laughs> because because um, they they don't decide anything. There's there's pe- people behind the scenes judging yeah, what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I was going to bring up the courts earlier, and I'm glad you did because it's a, you know, at least we still have that appeal system in place right now. And there are people that have a rogue, not rogue, but like, you know, individuality. I mean, if you look at Ruth Bader Ginsburg or... There are a lot of people that were willing to stand out and be different in this planet. And we're not all the same. We're not. We're not all the same. And not everyone is controlled. <laughs> I don't think that everyone is controlled by some corporation. And by like the that. way, I'm not saying that everyone is. Right. I'm saying locally, I doubt that the courts are the least corrupt thing in the world. Los, An- Los Angeles, I mean, right now, as we're sitting here in the heart of Hollywood, California, this is where we're podcasting to you from, um, I think that we're living in one of the worst cities to be in, uh, government-wise. Um, oh my gosh. It yes. doesn't mean that there aren't some great, I think there are some really great city council members. I think there are some some people, you know, I don't think they can affect change the way that they want to, which is really sad. It but is sad, but they are doing some great things. There's a lot of people really working to help the vulnerable. In, I have in Los seen that. I did yeah. read a, a bunch of materials when I was voting yesterday for a uh, spoiler alert, giant meteor and <laughs> across the board, just everybody, every Again, time I, I think, can write I think every time you say in. that, you actually might be pulling a giant meteor a little closer <laughs> because that's the power that language actually has. There was a meteor uh, in uh, Mexico last night that was trending on Twitter, meteorito, and, and I got like a, like a video of it from one of these accounts in Spanish and it was beautiful. It was like green, and it was like shooting across the sky. It mm-hmm. was. They are beautiful. You can't. Can't. They are beautiful, the most beautiful presidential oblivion candidate. Oblivion is not. <laughs> oblivion is not our goal here. I mean, it might be the end game though, it's, because it like, could be where the end of game. Some, well, and that's the real question. I mean, 
that's they're already question. you know gathering up all of our DNA and everything like through the 23andMe and the Google people like they're all like and I have you know evidence of that I'm not just speaking out of my ass again but like like I ever do but I actually have evidence of this I'm not just like the, the selfish ledger is what it's called mm-hmm. um, you may have heard of it mm-hmm. which was a leaked doc, um, a video that was shown to workers from Google about you know, gathering up all 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 of these um, records and DNA and everything from all these people, which it's funny. There's a, actually a connection between Google and Twenty Three and Me. I don't want to get into it, but like, there's like one of them is Susan is like her sister. I think is married to one of the guys from Google. It's very weird, but. Anyway, there's always a connection. But well, what I'm so saying is... Google's a big company. There's lots of... I mean, there's a million connections that we all have to one another. But I'm just... So... I'm just saying that, like, they want to... that What they have said in the video is that it's for your grandchildren, like, you know, great-grandchildren, to know how you lived. They have to see your social media. They have to see your DNA and all of this stuff. Like, all of these parts of you will be for the next generation, the next generation. It's a time capsule, basically. It's all legit. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Just give it to us. <laughs> like, give us your data. Like, that's what it's all about. Well, yeah. I mean, every day there's a new, you know, company or emailing list or something else that wants to, you know, or my own phone, the apps in my own phone are asking me to give permission to one app to, to see all my photos and all my contacts and all that stuff. And I stuff. say hell to the no. Right. Do you I really want to do that? that. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like, you know, I was really, I mean, oh, this plane. Go I'm, away. for years and years, we all went without cell phones and, you know, don't forget there was a time yeah. before computers and that yeah. time was in many ways a good time for yeah. America. So we had actual. Excuse me. We had actual people computing. That's what computers were. Right. They were people. People used their brains to figure out. And now they're not people, which is what we're going to have to deal with because we won't be people. Eventually, we'll we'll be robots. Well, no, because we're not going to. Well, that's the plan. I'm just saying. Some people are planning that stuff, but the thing is, I mean, when you ask what the real end game is, you know, what is our deepest fear? Remember, do you know this quote? Our deepest fear is not that we are powerless, it's that we're powerful beyond measure. Have you read that quote? I've heard it. I don't remember who actually said it, and I don't know if it's been being correctly attributed, but the, the real, knowing what it is to be human, in some ways, is to know what it means to be divine, because we were made in God's image, which means that we have a really powerful... Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, yes. It is yours to accept or deny. There's a, there's a counter story, which is that you are basically just a blob of cells that sort of out of nowhere suddenly acquired consciousness billions of years ago and were cogent. Those aren't the only stories. There are many stories. There are many different ways to tell the story or the myth or however you choose. But the question is, do you, Elle, and do I, Betsy, have a place in creating the future? And we certainly do. We certainly have a place in saying, I'm not going to allow this to be the future for my life and not for my children and my children's children or my friend's children. And, you know, that's what people who have been trying to fight climate change have been saying for decades is we have a a planet that we need to preserve so that our generations, you know, 
future can enjoy it. And then but, we have people who are so mad and the, the you know, and will refuse and hate the idea that we are affecting the climate. So then they just get angry at the climate changers, which doesn't help anything. And it's like, well, yeah, there's got to be two opposing positions. That's the problem. Like that's the, the, the rub, like divide and conquer. That's well, how they and rule. That's not, and then they play both sides. That's course. not the divine path. If you ask me most of the time, there's a middle way, right? Like I know that I'm a consumer. I know that I cannot, probably you know although some people have achieved it you know i can probably not achieve a, G- a jesus i cannot achieve no jesus. one can achieve a, a i'm not, achieve I'm not a jesus, jesus. i can certainly, certainly not achieve that i cannot achieve I mean, unless you're a magician no god no <laughs> i cannot achieve a zero waste lifestyle no matter what i do none of us can that's that's what people don't our human body is designed at. to eliminate waste although and carbon yeah. is not inherently but, bad either which is not something that Karma? people... Carbon will not, is oh. not inherently bad. Right. Like, it's like an that's element. not the it's enemy an element. either. <laughs> it's just part of the water we swim in. Again, it's we a thing. have these resources to work with, which I believe were given to us I think by the God. hazardous waste is more of an issue than anything, you know, that the corporations... What about technology waste? P.S. I mean, yeah. the corporations who are creating devices that only last a certain amount of time Obsolution. before you have to buy... And then Plan you're wasting legends. all of this stuff. I mean, it's terrible. Especially... I can't even get rid of it because when I, I watched the documentary about what happens when your shit goes to, like, Africa. And, like, these little kids end up having to be exposed to these chemicals and these um, products that they, like, dis- disassemble so that they can sell them for to a store. You yeah. know, like, like I can't even, like, I don't even feel comfortable getting rid of my fan that doesn't work or getting rid of my printer that doesn't work. And... You know, I just leave it here for, for however long until we get this shit figured out. And then for a while, all the recycling was going to China. And then China was like, we don't want your recycling. And then, where is it now? In a landfill, of course. Like, the recycling isn't even going anywhere. Like, the, that you get rid of. Unless you, re- you use it. I've heard it. that. I've heard that. I mean, eventually, I guess even plastic eventually It just makes you feel poses. good. If it makes you feel good, just do it. And then pay the price for it. Ten well, cents a bag. Okay, what about there? Okay, agreed. <laughs> but there are, for example, they've been using, um, they've been able to compress garbage to create like plastic bricks to make houses and That's stuff. That's good. So are we are we are finding ways to climb our way out of that tunnel. We're not certainly channeling and the plastic all of our resources, thing started resources into that. Not even that long ago, like like less than fifty years ago, I believe. Yeah, is when we got really plastic yeah. with shit. Mm-hmm. So we had like bottles and stuff, like for milk and whatnot. We used to use glass. Yeah. We used to use and then glass. We, and it broke, and then we're like, shit. <laughs> then the corporations were like, well, well we can't make a, a profit, so we need to like make it to where it's durable, to where it, it lasts long, a long time. Don't worry about what's in it. Don't worry about those chemicals. Just give it to the public. Yeah. They'll take it. They'll take DDT. They'll take GMOs. They'll take all of this we other We did shit. a lot of Heroin. things without... <laughs> Without caring, and in in this age, in the industrial age, you know, manufacturing really got out of hand. And the medical, going back to the medical profession, I just wanted to interject yeah. real quick, sorry, yeah. no. that they recommended smoking back in the day. What the fuck? Why are we looking to medical professionals when they didn't even get smoking right? 
Well, okay, which was and that's bought off by the tobacco industry, over which is time. Off, now it's bought off by the pharmaceutical industry. Because I was telling you earlier how I uh, I found a copy of the the movie Thank You for Smoking, the mm-hmm. DVD See? At, at Goodwill. Good segue. We watched <laughs> it. Yeah, no, I you are happy. I'm happy to have you change the subject. Um, we watched it. So I, I watched that movie again recently. Thank you for smoking, which has Aaron Eckhart in it playing a marketing exec. He's basically market. He's PR. He's PR for the tobacco industry. And he goes to visit, you know, spoiler alert or whatever, not really, but um, the Marl- Marlboro man, you know, who was the spokesperson for and now is dying from lung cancer, mm-hmm. who, who says, P.S., I didn't even smoke Marlboros, by the way. I smoked another, you know, another, yeah. another brand. Uh-huh. But, um, and, you know, Aaron Eckhart's character coaches him on, they're like, we want to give you a bunch of money, you know, so that you'll be quiet. You know, and he's like, and if I were you, I would do this. Instead of being quiet, I would, you know, give it all up and, you know, make a big scene on in the media about it and stuff. Well, then he drives away later. His, he has his son with him, and his son says, you know, how did you know that he was going to take the money? And he's like, they always take the money. Well, because that's for him and his family. At the end of the day, he's going to protect himself and his family. And I think that that's a real part of this story and Aaron Eckhart and his son in that story it's like he has he's divorced he only sees his son part of the time he takes his son out and is teaching his son about life and how to win an argument a lot of times because his he's he goes on tv shows and he's arguing for tobacco and he's you know he's doing this stuff where he you know and he even says towards the end and he's giving testimony I think in a in a um like a Senate hearing or something like that. And he says, you know, that he would, you know, buy his son a pack of cigarettes at 18 or give his son a cigarette, light his first cigarette, if his son wants to smoke when he turns 18 because that's his legal right. (laughs) Well, okay, but is that what you want for your son? No, nobody really wants to see their son dying from lung cancer or putting that kind of toxin in their body. Unless... You really don't care or you're evil and those people do exist. And, you know, I'm not here to look at about one person or the other and say on balance, this person is evil. I rarely do that because that's not how I'm supposed to live. And it's not people can make new choices and their hearts can change. But at the same time, you know, I don't know what I'm getting at, but I'm just saying <laughs> as far as destruction, there's destruction and creation in this life. Mm-hmm. We know that. And are you going to choose to believe that you that creation is still possible instead of looking at this doomsday s- scenario and saying we're all screwed? I think that creation is still happening and it's still positive and there's a lot of good things going on. I think that the doomsday scenario, I mean, since you know the day that we built the atom bomb, we knew that we could destroy the whole planet ourselves. So that's been on the table for a while, but it's not inevitable. Somehow generations have lived and died, you know, since that happened. So, but, and I also think that it's a benevolent universe, but, and because I believe that, then I believe there's a lot of hope for humanity. If you choose to accept it, if you choose to live in the hope of humanity, which is God himself, 
it, it doesn't matter because there are lots of other planets and galaxies and we don't know where we might go next. And fuck that place up. <laughs> well, but the thing but is... But it'll be the rich people who go but first. But the thing is, humanity is valuable. That's what we... They'll have... escape there. They'll escape to Mars. The, all the rich people who fuck everything up and, and get all our money. We'll, we'll take our money and go to Mars and leave us to die. That's Mar- what they'll Mars do. Mars is not the hope of our generation. Or Venus, wherever they want to freak Mars out. is not the hope of our generation. I mean, for some very rich people, yes. Hey, what if it's Pluto this whole time? What if Pluto had life? And it's like, you dipshits. You didn't call me a planet. (laughs) Fuck off. I mean, there are lots of surprises ahead. And they're not all bad surprises. (laughs) They're not all bad surprises. The new technology that could be invented tomorrow to help us get plastic, you know, poof. We have something better than plastic. Poof, we can decompose plastic. We just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But, like, my favorite philosopher, George Carlin, said... <laughs> yes. The planet will be fine without us. <laughs> like, the, the people are, like, worried about saving the planet. That's but, like, the priority Like, the planet always, always sure. self-corrects. We have an ecosystem. Exactly. It will always do whatever it's going to do naturally but without the- us. And it will be better off without us. Destroying. But the Earth was not created to just live by itself. It was created. Well, for we don't know that. That's in. a selfish. Some of thought. us believe That's that, and we, it's not selfish. It doesn't mean that we. <laughs> it doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility to know how connected we are, and that we need to live in symbiosis with the land and the animals and everything that we um, walk among and and enjoy that gives us life. It means that we matter. But the it problem means that is, we are not. We shouldn't just self annihilate. Is what I'm trying to say. The human race isn't but they bad do. to the point that they huh? have a history of doing that. They have a history of attacking each other. We have and destroying not destroyed the entire human race. And if we can't even figure shit out with each other, how are we going to figure things out with the planet that we that we live off of that we are able to live because of? Because human Earth life is just the beginning of a longer eternal life. That humanity Maybe has. the dinosaurs will come back. They'll be like, all right, y'all, you get out of here. We're going to take over again. Listen, there's nothing that would surprise me at this point, and <laughs> I really believe... Do you believe in a- extraterrestrials? Like, they're actually going to find extraterrestrial, <sighs> not just microscopic bacteria, which is obviously out there. I don't know. I think there's a good case to be made that there are many beings, both seen and unseen, both on this planet and elsewhere. Do you believe in, like... Um, this is getting into it, like interdimensional beings, like like yeah. beings that could be from a different dimension or different universe, yes. whatever. Well, there's already we already know another. there's a visible spectrum and an invisible spectrum, right? Adding dimensions is just sort of adding another layer to that sort of like going, oh, there could be more, and there could be more, and, and there maybe could be there's more. like a non-linear timeline as well that we don't even know about. Well, yes, there's no question in my mind that there is in some way a non-linear timeline, and that's something that I've been talking to people a lot about, especially in my book group and stuff lately. And that's a big. If you are the kind of person that subscribes to any to Buddhism, Hinduism, you know, there's a lot of like circular the yin yang is popular for a reason because it's sort of like well time is eternal Mm -hmm. what has been will always be we need all of it and so christianity is very unique in that it assigns a linear timeline to the earth and it says 
No, Jesus appeared at a point in history that was pre-foretold. And before that, there was a certain set number of years for humanity. And there's a certain set number of years. We don't know how long it is. But at a certain point, after certain things are established, Jesus will return at a certain timeline. And then there's going to be this, that, and the other. And it's, it's, it, there's a lot of stuff in scripture about there being a real change on the earth as well as in other dimensions of what's going on. But what's interesting about that is that I've heard, like, in the past, and uh, not so much in the present, but, like, that the the different interpretations of, like, for example, like, he built the world in seven days or whatever, six days, and then he rested. Mm -hmm. But, like, how long was a day back then? We don't right. know. We don't right. know the length of the time periods in, within right. that and within Period. Christianity, there is a wide spectrum of, if you ask a million people, you get a million it's slightly different ideas. It's all up to interpretation. Of, right. Well, because some, but we have to understand, some people have scientific sort of minds and are more rational thinkers, and other people don't really care about, about it one way or the other. And some people, you know, really like have left their faith because they can't reconcile science and what they were told, you know, in the church when they were growing up or what they read. And they've never been able to make out any sense of it. But there is one scripture that says that to God, a day is the same as a thousand years and a thousand years is the same as a day. And that's why a lot of people will then attach that to that six day creation and go, well, it took him 6,000 years to create. Well, that doesn't really help us in the in you know comparing you know the billions of years of evolution that we say they were, they were to like a six-day creation because then it just gives us 12,000 years instead of six right but it there's this you know well was this literal or figurative so more liberal strains of thought in christianity are, say well just don't take that literally that was the myth that started christianity maybe there was no real adam and eve and, you know, and then they'll say, and maybe there was no real Job, and maybe there was no real Jonah, and maybe these maybe are all just no stories. maybe there was no Jesus Christo. I mean, well, we don't right. know at that point. And so, exactly, and there's a lot of people both inside and outside the church. Well, I, not inside the church, but I don't, I don't think that you would stick around the church if you don't think that Jesus really existed. <laughs> Okay. If you, I mean, that would be really weird. It would be really weird, but just to hang out, you're not the first person who has, you know, has said to me even recently, "Well, it's a really great story, and maybe it even happened." Well, does it matter whether it happened or not? I think it really matters whether it really happened or not. I think there's a lot of documentation that it did happen. I think it also matters that we consider the fact that there were thousands of—I don't know if it was thousands of years. I think so. That there were interpretations of this text like and language tra uh, translations and everything things can get lost in translation and become something totally different like telephone like sure you just get a different message every time so i think it's best if people of today would view it as a fable i know that sounds a little uh, but you know that's all you can view it as being so disconnected from the original text. You need text. to do historical research instead of just saying it's Go a with fable. evidence. Go with the evidence because there is a lot of evidence and I recommend Josh But don't McDowell. just look at all of the, the different sayings that people like, you know, No, I'm talking out. about historical research. No, that's Find what I'm saying. It's like, you know, do the research. Don't just buy what you're told in, in the text from different people. Preponderance of evidence. Go people. on your own journey. Go to, the, go to Jerusalem. 
you know, but don't forget that there is an aspect of this that many people's entire lives have been completely changed by the man that they called Jesus Christ. People have gone from addiction to being healed. People have been gone, been healed from cancer. People have been saved from very traumatic experiences and really recovered completely. And I've met people that I can't believe when they tell me some of the crap that they've been through because after they've come to know God, their lives have been completely transformed. And it doesn't mean that you can't ever get healthy without believing in Jesus. It just means that to me, there's an attachment to a real power and authority that was given to Jesus Christ himself that we also have access to, but you have a different kind of access to it in the church. In And I don't mean just by going to church, but I mean by calling yourself a follower of Christ and truly endeavoring to practice what Christ practiced. But in that same regard, I feel like there are many other religions like Islam and what and Buddhism that feel very close, closely connected to their uh, great people in their books. Yes. And, and so there's that that sense of community within all religious faiths that exists inherently. There can be a sense of community inherently. Or they can feel that they are affected by certain things. Sure. But how much of that is their interpretation of something rather than the sure. actuality of something happening? Well, and that's, that's what everybody has to decide for themselves. Um, you know, there's many people who have left one faith to follow another at some point in their lives or gone from, you know, faith to no faith or no faith to faith. People swear by Scientology nowadays. And like, that's right. clearly a multi-level marketing scheme. Well, and, and many people hit on something that seems to work for them for a time. And then after a certain amount of time, it seems to no longer work for them. Now, I think that each of us are on a journey. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, I have attended many different churches in my life, and, you know... I've attended a few. Yeah. As a child. They're not all the same, right? Mm -mm. The people are not all the same. They're not run the same way. And whether you felt loved or cared for in that church is probably, to me, the most important part of actually being there. Not, you know, just what they teach, whether they teach what you think are the right things or not. It's whether, do you feel loved and cared (laughs) for? Is it a place where you can grow... And, and where you feel like you can contribute. Is it, you know, a functioning society in a way, sort of like a microcosm of what society should be? And in fact, and in fact my aunt said to me once that, you know, she studied anthropology and that, you know, she thought the church had served a function in society that it no longer needed because now we had figured out how to create community apart from church. Mm-hmm. And I disagree with that to a certain extent because I think, there is power in the name of Jesus that is, again, I, I think that Jesus' name is higher than any other name. And we don't have that much time left in our hour no. and a half to talk about why. And Let's I talk promise, about Jesus for the last 15 minutes. We can, but I also <laughs> want to talk about the Tiny House for Lita project. Let's talk about the, the initiative that you're doing with yeah. the Tiny Houses. I love Jesus. I love talking about him all day. <laughs> I love him, too. I love talking about people I don't know. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. It's fun. Um, Lita, so my friend Lita, who I don't think you've met her yet either. No. She also loves Jesus. Yay. She and I became. This isn't a Jesus-y kind of organization, though. It's it's an organization. Jesus (laughs) wanted people to be housed and fed and cared for, and he commanded his followers. He said, and actually this is a debate that I got into on Facebook the other day, believe it or not, a little bit. I only said one thing. But, you know. 
That's a debate. <laughs> Jesus said in scripture, in a scripture, okay, in one of the gospels, I think it was Matthew, that you can't just, you know, come up to somebody that you see suffering on the street and say, you know, be blessed, be well fed. You actually need to feed the person. If you care, but you're going to do them something. To fish and they'll. Jesus, that is not recorded that Jesus said that. Okay, although I don't think that that's a bad thing to say. Just be aware. But that is the best way is like teaching them how to to be self sufficient. Yes, but first they how are they going to learn how to do anything if they're still hungry? It's very hard to learn when you're starving. So first you might need to give the person excuse me a meal. Obviously give them meals. Yes, (laughs) not money. (laughs) This is purely about trying to help people find shelter. And have you heard of a movie called Nomad Land? No. There's a new movie out called Mad Nomad Land with Frances McDormand that I just saw that apparently is getting all kinds of Oscar buzz and whatnot. My friend... Those weren't canceled this year? Well... Next year? <laughs> I'm not probably really, going to get canceled. I'm not sure if it's an advanced screening of a 2021 film or if it's, you know, a 2020 screening. I meant the it. Oscars, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, but I know, but it matters what year yeah. this movie would fall in. But it's a movie about a woman who has been working for Amazon seasonally. She cannot continue to work for Amazon. And she has, um, she basically, you know, is living in like camper, camper communities. And you see how hard it's been for her. Like she had a, a, she used to have a different life. um, But she lost her husband and other things happened. And so she's become very independent minded. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who have chosen to live that kind of a, a life in a in a small home, for whatever reason. And the reason that I thought of creating a tiny house for Lita project um, is that my friend Lita has a lung condition that makes uh, respiratory uh, problems very common when she lives in any kind of shared housing thing. So if she was in, uh, you know, it looks like she may be housed in low income senior housing soon in Oklahoma and it may last for about a year but if someone comes around smoking or someone comes around spraying chemicals or something she has a she has an attack she has a very hard time breathing so a, something like a tiny house where she could control the air quality in at least inside it if not outside it and ho- uh, probably something on wheels you know, that could be moved if needed. Um, her own home. Lita is an older lady. She's in her 60s. And we were roommates for a while back in 2013 and early 2014 for, I I can't remember if it was two months or three or four. Lita might remember better. Um, she couldn't live with us very long um, for financial and health reasons. And uh, I think that if Jesus wants anything from us, he wants us to care for each other. That's, you know, I'm not saying that just because I love Jesus. I'm saying it because there is a real misunderstanding right now in our um, society of who Jesus was, especially the way that he's being represented sometimes on social media, which I think is completely unfair. And um you can't care about humanity unless you're willing to put yourself next to a person in need and somehow provide for them. So 
I'm running a fundraising campaign. Um, I think by the time you post this, it might be already over, but it's an ongoing fundraising campaign to rain, uh, raise $10,000 to buy a tiny house for Lita. After we raise $10,000 for the tiny house, there'll be um, another recipient, and we'll just keep building tiny houses for as long as I am uh, able to do so. And uh, we have a board that's just getting started. Matt Saul is on our board. Um, I'm asking you to be on our board if you would like to be, and I need a couple more board members so that we can, probably our next leg of fundraising will be for a much smaller amount um, so that we can actually incorporate as a nonprofit and we won't start that up right away. But, you know, to do everything by the book in the U.S., there's a certain process to become a 501c3. So um, we'll talk more about that later. But if you're interested in contributing to the Tiny House for Leader Project, we're on Instagram under Tiny House 4. 4 is a number, not a letter, um, not made of letters. And Tiny House 4, F-O-R, is our Facebook page. Um, so you can also follow me, uh, Betsy Freeman, B-E-T-S-I-F-R-E-E-M-A-N. I'm on all of those things, not forever, but for right now. <laughs> and um, I'll send you a button. I've got about 20 or 30 Tiny House for Lita buttons left if you donate 10 or $12 so that I can pay for shipping. And um, actually, I'm not even reimbursing myself for shipping at this point, but someday, sometime, I reserve in the future, if I ever need it, I reserve the right to reimburse myself for shipping mm -hmm. those things. So we had a lot of, we've had a lot of wonderful donors and unexpected donors in the first round. And I'm so grateful um, to have that savings account started for her. And I hope at some point to have more live interviews with Lita on our social media so that you can, she did post a lot of pictures and biographical information in our Facebook page. So if you want to learn more about her life, she's um, Native American, I think at least half Cherokee, um, but don't quote me on the, on the fraction because I, my memory is not wonderful all the time. She was, she has a degree, degree from Oral, Oral Roberts University, which is a Christian university in Oklahoma. She's a singer. She's traveled the world singing. And really, she has a million friends who over the years have reached out to support her and help her and take her in at different times. Um, and I know that they would love to see her um, have a permanent home. And I know it's hard for her to reach out and ask her own friends for help. So I'm hoping that some of them will also hear this and reach out to me um you know they might not know me yet but any friend of Lita's is a friend of mine so well we're about to wrap it up i i think we got a lot of good topics in there um heavy topics but we did did we we've got like five minutes right we could talk about journalism or medical professional stuff more what do you well, what talk i've seen seen lately getting onto the political thing is like a lot of journalists have gone the way of bloggers. Like they they turned into bloggers because like you have a degree. Like right. you're not on the same level as someone at BuzzFeed. No offense to BuzzFeed, I guess, but like Right, I who hope cares? not. But hope like not. why are you responding like a child to certain posts about the president, about this and that and the other and and responding in such a biased way to things on social media and getting into arguments with people. Like I just don't understand our journalists right. actually getting into arguments with people based on politics is hilarious to me actually that yeah. they have gotten so tedious it's like suffering 
that they 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 can't even do their jobs right. Right. Well, that's why there's fake news. That's why he's getting attacking back to you. trusted sources. <laughs> I mean, the reason that you and I like you and I have been friends for ten years, right? I think that this year is a ten Shit. year anniversary of our friendship. I'm pretty sure that I've been in LA for over ten years. Now. Yeah, I think eleven years. I think you had been in town a year when you and I became friends. So. You know, over 10 years, we've developed years a friendship where we know that we can trust each other to mm-hmm. a certain extent, right? And I think the same is true with any source. You should develop trust with any source of information over time. F- find out. And the same is true with your government officials. I have a good friend running for office that I'm supporting, and we've been friends for eight or nine years, and she's always been very trustworthy. We've never, you know, lived together or... <laughs> you know, we don't know everything about each other because we've already, we've lived life, you know, and that's true of any um, politician or, you know, anyone who wants your vote right now. Look at the totality of their life. Look at what they're really doing with their life. Are they, you know, you can tell whether a person actually cares. I really think if you listen to them long enough, look in their eyes you could tell whether a person actually cares about humanity or not and and that's why i don't vote one party i think that people some people still have functioning consciences and some people really very much don't they're not checking in with their conscience anymore they have too much ego ego is a problem Social, you know, social status is a problem. Ego stroking on on social media is, I think, a big issue, especially with celebrities. My gosh, they think they're the be-all, end-all. Like, it's kind of funny. It's like, vote for this guy just because I said so. Well, no, because who are you to me? But they have a certain amount of influence, and that's the truth. As long as they have all those followers, they'll still continue unless they're brought, yeah, idol worship, unless they're brought to a new level. You know, I'm not here to humble anybody, but I think it's my job to be humbled and to be humble, just to, but I don't, you know, that's a very tricky paradox. Yeah. I don't know how many of us actually achieve it, and I don't know. I can certainly say about other people, and I always mean it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. But it's not a virtue. It's not considered to be a virtue in society for the most part. So that's a character issue. Yeah. And then the media feeds into it and ex- and, and exalts these celebrities and and says that their voice matters. But yours, you know, if you want to speak out, you know, you're not allowed to because we're going to censor what you say. We're going to make sure you can't say COVID-19 in a video on YouTube because that's not allowed unless you're the WHO, like, approved person. Well, a, a really good celebrity, I mean, going back to thank you for smoking, a really great celebrity will bring, you know, they bring, like, a little boy who's suffering from cancer onto one of the shows. Now, that's a ploy, Right? It's a ploy. They talk about it behind, you know, later on. Oh, what did you do with this cancer boy? You know, and it's, it's horrible. It's a gimmick, right? So yeah. any politician could do that, try to bring somebody who seems vulnerable or suffering on stage and say, I'm helping this person. I want this person to speak. But what Trump is... has done, I would just want to point out that Trump's done that many times, like, had vulnerable people on stage and, and you know, exploited them in various ways, including children. I think... I think children, maybe, maybe not. Um, 
But, you know, he uses people to their ends, just like a good politician will. So people who say that he's an outsider, he's not a politician, he is a politician. He plays the same, by the same book. They're all in the same club. They all play golf together. And, you know what, I guess if they lose, they get called mini Mike Bloomberg. I don't know. But. You have to, I think, check in with your own heart on all of this stuff and ask yourself what machine you were part of if you were part of a machine. And if you, yeah. you know... If you really see what is life-giving and what is not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't go wrong by eating your vegetables. Maybe we should just end on that note. And fruits. And, you know, take your vitamins. Vitamin D is very important. And immune, immune support yes. is important. Yes, get some sunshine. Um, Put some sunscreen on and then get some sunshine. I use multivitamin <laughs> gummies, but they yeah. that's all I can do because I've never been able to swallow correctly. So I use that, and I get my vitamin D3 mm-hmm. from fruits, I think, and veg- plants, whatever. Some kind of plant. So, like lichen or something. I can't remember. But there are ways to make sure that you're as healthy as possible. And also being exposed to dirt is good to build up 100%. your immune system. And that's another reason that this mask initiative and this initiative to protect yourself from the environment like natural things in the environment is going to be detrimental to our health ultimately because we will not have the same immune system that we had in 1990s and 2000s so be careful be safe uh think for yourself and thank you so much for listening to this all new episode out of nowhere i'm sorry guys but i mean it was supposed to happen last month but something happened that is this number 47 that we weren't able to do it but We are very grateful for everyone listening. Thank you so much. And you do donate if you can to that initiative. It's a a really good initiative that's actually, you know, trying to benefit society. Thank you. Tiny House for Lita. Yes. Feel free to ask us for more questions if you have more questions. And I'll leave more information in the show notes as well and all the links to the shit that we mentioned. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you for having me, Elle. This has been a great time. Thank you for coming in person. It's so nice to have a show with someone in real life. Like, (laughs) it's been so long since we've had, like, a non-phone voice. I'm so happy. So sad. Oh, I haven't seen people for six months. It's insane, except my roommate, of course. But, you know, we live together, so that's different. But, you know, it it is interesting to see that life is still happening around us, and we need to embrace it. Embrace life. Fuck death. You know, and I'll have more. I'll send more guests over to you too, who might be in this area that you could actually speak to. Good. All right. Make sure they're kind of funny, because we need to lighten it up next time. Okay. All right. So noted. Thank you so much for uh, joining us, Betsy, and thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye.